Hey everybody, Jamie Retzke here on a gloomy, dreary day in Overland Park, Kansas. But to make your day much brighter, I have my good buddy for, I don't know, this is the seventh week that he's put up with me. He keeps sending me invoices. I forward them to my sponsor, Papa Kino. He's got them listed. He's going he's gonna to pay them in pizza. Craig Kashan, hey buddy, what's up? <laughs> I'm ready to put that pizza in the round, bound to rebound, my friend. I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I'm ready too. I, I, uh, I am, uh, I'm a pumped up on a, a bunch of stuff. I'm pumped up on the, uh, uh, on the negotiations. I think I have concluded i'm on nobody's side nobody's side and yeah. the whole thing irritates me as you know i if i can't go nobody can go <laughs> how are you doing and what's new in the world of baseball in terms of what the insiders like you know well i wish we knew uh, i wish we knew a little bit more to say that they're going to get back and going um i'll be honest with you i i thought when the owners you know came up with their plan i knew there'd be some back and forth um, but I, so far, as far as I know, there hasn't been any back and forth yet. It's been, here's the plan and the players, uh, you know, don't want to do revenue sharing. And I, I think the thing that bothers me the most about this is they're adamant about it. And, you know, if, if they don't get the right number of players to, to buy into this, you know, to me, they need to change their attitude a little bit because to go back and say in March they had an agreement for a prorated salary and that's what they're sticking to look how much has happened in our country since March it's the middle of May it's about to be June 1st and a lot has changed it's a change not only for their verbal agreement but it's also changed for a lot of other businesses so a lot of a lot of people are going through changes the last two months that they didn't expect. And I, I think instead of looking at the big picture for baseball and for negotiations and all that kind of stuff, I think they just need to take care of now and take care of this season first before they worry about when the next agreement is up. And so that's, so I, I like to say that I'm optimistic and I do think we'll be playing baseball but I really don't know what it's going to boil down to at this point. Well, I'll tell you what, you raise a really, really good point, as you always do. Every point you make from mustard to beer to baseball is perfect. <laughs> Those are the only two points I really know. I, Everything I, else is speculation. You know, I was, I, I was laughing and I, I, I texted you. I was listening to uh, that podcast because I'm so bored. I not only do podcasts, but then I listen to them. And I thought the part about secret sauce mustard and uh, going to New Glarus uh, probably were the highlights of that particular show. But to my <laughs> point, we first uh, got back on this weekly deal or started the weekly deal on March 22nd, 2020. There were in the United States of America attributed to COVID-19, 346 deaths. Now, we are not even two months down the road. And we're honing in on uh, 90,000 deaths now. Amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's just hard to fathom. And, you know, you can, you can pour a little CNN, pour a little MSNBC, and pour a little bit of Fox in there. And you can come up with whatever you want to come up with. But, you know, we're approaching uh, the Los Angeles Coliseum full of dead people. 
I mean, um, it is alarming. And for that reason, I continue to be the only guy in America that says, if I can't go safely, the players shouldn't be expected to go because it's going to be guinea pig city. And I yeah. am, I'm willing to forego my new seats at Wrigley Field uh, and sitting next to you uh, trying to make you laugh on TV at Miller Park <laughs> until next year and have a vaccine and everybody's happy and da-da-da-da-da. But I do think they'll play baseball this year. Well, I, I like your take. Um, and and you know what? It, it If you equate that take and compare it to um, the NCAA, uh, the NCAA leaders are saying if if kids aren't on campus going to school, then we're not playing sports because we have student athletes. Now, yeah. don't take that out of context when it comes to student athletes and all that kind of stuff with the, you know, the cash flow, whatever yeah. accusations could be flowing. The, funny. the bottom line is somebody's actually saying that we need to have people all involved in this together. And I think it's a really good point that you bring up. If fans can't go to this, to these games, and, and it's, this is what some of the Major League Baseball players are saying right now, why the hell should I go? Why should I be a part of this? Why should I risk, you know, my health and then my family's health and my teammates' health? Why do I have to do it? And, and I get it. And I'm not, I'd never say, you, you got to go do your job. I mean, if you choose not to, I mean, that, that's up to you. And I think, I think, you know what? I will not be surprised if there are some players that just, you know, wave the white flag and say, I ain't doing it. It's not yeah. worth it. I've already lost half my salary, at least already. What's, what's the point of this? And it could come down to that. You never know. Well, and I think the vote should be unanimous in a situation like this, not the, whatever it is that they vote on and, and uh, they get a certain number and boom. And, and, but I'm laughing at the NCA because you've raised – I can't decide if I side with the owners or the players, neither, but I never, ever side with the NCA the most corrupt organization this side of Washington, D.C. And they're fluctuating now, too. And a lot of the uh, schools don't give a rat's you-know-what about the NCAA. And they're saying, we're playing, even if it's online. Uh, right. If our students are online, we're going to get out there in Madison, Wisconsin. And, and I just throw that out. I'm not saying that they're the renegade rebel. But, um, man, oh, man, until we have a vaccine, it's like Russian roulette, I think. And... All you got to do is look at the, you know, try to keep politics out of the lighter side of baseball. But this is pretty, this isn't light if they're talking about human lives. But these shots of West Allis, Wisconsin, after the Supreme Court once again sent everybody out in harm's way. Uh, I knew you'd love that one. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness gracious. Um, well, you know, uh, it, it is pretty interesting. Um I, I will say this about the fine state of Wisconsin. We do not sway in what we believe in one iota, no matter what the circumstance of the world is. We need our beer and we need to socialize. So if you give us the green light, even for one second, believe me, the engine has been running those cars for two months. They will get there. It's amazing. Beer, brats, and BS. I love it. It's great. The, uh, uh, the rest. Am of I us, wrong about that though? Is that what makes Wisconsin Wisconsin? It is totally true. And you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that 
<clears throat> during the stay at home, people were lined up in, in long lines of cars waiting to pick up their six pack of beer from the local uh, tavern. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, the, the growlers. Have you ever had a growler before? Have you ever purchased a, a beer growler? No, I've never heard of it. So this is what they, well, growlers are now, you know, all these, um, all these uh, little microbreweries, you know, where I live downtown here in Milwaukee, there's, there's like every other block, there's a microbrewery and, and part of that uh, microbrewery, they have, you know, a, a small bar and restaurant and they change their flavors of their brew every week, maybe two weeks to some extent. And so that's what keeps people, you know, flowing in. And during this pandemic, since they're, since their businesses, you know, shut down to go inside and enjoy these brews, they're, they're putting them in growlers. And I'm not exactly sure what the ounces are. I think growler ounces vary like you can get, you know, uh, uh, enough for a, you know, a small case of beer put into one big jug or some kind of uh, yeah. in form. And so that's what a growler is. And so the, uh, there's a microbrewery right next door to me. And during certain times of the week, more towards the weekend, which really doesn't matter to me anymore what day it is, they, they're, they're lining up, you know, around the corner to go through this drive through through the parking lot. And they just basically order, order what they want. And it's already packaged up all these different flavors of beer. And, and then off they go, they get the, put the growler in the car, they pay their money. And, and that's kind of what life has become over here right now. Well, we went, uh, picked up some, we celebrated uh, Seis de Mayo because uh, Cinco de Mayo is too crowded. So we, uh, <laughs> we found the, you know, somebody sent us a picture of a Mexican restaurant that was just like six blocks long of people to get, waiting to get in to pick, just to pick up their stuff on Cinco de Mayo. On Seis de Mayo, a mere like 18 hours later, it was empty. It was great. But yeah. But like they take old milk cartons. This is really sanitary. I'm sure the uh, Food and Drug Administration would love this. They took old milk cartons, I guess, cleaned them out, sterilized them, did whatever. And then they distributed margaritas in these uh, plastic cans and tightened the lid. And you uh, went out and had open alcohol in your car on the way home. It was, uh, that is beautiful. That's, that's like a, a growler. Mar Mar Margo Growler or Growler or Growlerita. I like that, a growlerita. I should uh, try to coin that for those guys. No, um, it's it's amazing. So in three weeks, if there's anybody left in West Dallas, uh, Wisconsin, uh, which I take it's a suburb of Milwaukee, uh, then it, we'll it know is. That and it's and I, let me just clarify this: that 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 when the state supreme court overturned the governor's order of stay at home, uh, West Dallas bars some bars open immediately because the Tavern League of Wisconsin said open immediately. And, and they did for what was it Thursday night or Wednesday night? I can't remember. I think it was Wednesday night. And then Thursday morning, uh, the mayor of Milwaukee and the County executive of Milwaukee County said, no, we're, we're extending our own. So it was a, a short lived few hours of beer time in West Dallas, but most of the other States, open for the most part to be honest with you so the bars are open here that's for sure well i'm a little surprised that the uh, chief justice of your supreme court didn't uh you know like you had talked about the hall of fame had a a mobile exhibit i'm surprised that the state supreme court doesn't just mobilize and go 
county to county, city to city, and overrule the mayor <laughs> on the spot. So that I'm uh, telling you, isn't it the strangest thing that that we can overrule the governor, but we can't we can't over and that and that makes everybody happy. But but it turns out that actually your own city, your own village, your own county can do whatever they choose to do anyway that you have to abide to. I think your state representatives ought to be able to pass laws disregarding the Supreme Court. Let's just have no law. <laughs> it kind of seems like it's that way right now because <laughs> they fought to have it overturned and, and nobody had a plan in place to, uh, to do anything about it except, hey, get, get out there and have some fun, folks. Well, it's the st same Supreme Court that brought you uh, COVID-19 election results. Uh, That's right. That's right. I mean, we're, this has been quite a month here, a month span of time. I, God knows what's going to happen in June and July. Well, it's always been a, a liberal state, at least in the eyes of law students. The people that went to the University of Wisconsin Law School never had to sit for the bar. They graduated and they, they got uh, their license. I don't think that's the case anymore but it always had great tort laws so that, um, you know, uh, unless you were 110% at fault for the accident, usually the defendant won, which, you know, as a defense <laughs> lawyer, that was a great deal, but uh, <laughs> it's a crazy situation. And that's, I guess, why the uh, gun sales are through the roof. I'm telling you, we're heading up to uh, Vilas County where there have been only four cases and they're probably going to want to search me before they let me go up, uh, uh, US 45 or whatever runs through uh, Land of Lakes, but uh, we're heading up there, and by God, you couldn't find a safer county. No, and it'll be so much more safer now, won't it? it with just, me just, there, yeah. Just watch out. Yeah, exactly. But the yeah. good news is you've, you've legged it out long enough that when you actually return to the state of Wisconsin, to your, to your summer home, <laughs> that you'll be able to do whatever you want. That's true. Yes, That's true. I can even. Yes. What's that fish my buddy caught? Smelt. Is that the name of a fish? Smelt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, Smelt. I mean, well, that, I think that little season has gone by already, though. That that's like a, a spring fling, and you need a net for that, Jamie. I don't know if you want to deal with that. No, you'd no, have to actually bend over at the shoreline or off your boat. I don't think you want to be dealing with that. I basically have three rules: don't bait a hook, don't catch a fish, and don't eat a fish. Other than that. <laughs> I'm all about fish in Wisconsin, man. Bring them all on. Have a fish fry with the cow. That's have you had? I'm... Speaking of fish in this state, have you had? Um, have you had the smoked salmon from uh, Charlie's Smokehouse in Door County? No, but I, you know what? I haven't been to Door County in probably I don't know sixty years. Charlie. Well, we've got a friend up there. What's Charlie's Smokehouse? Is that the name of it? Yeah, it's. Um, potential sponsor i believe it's in gills is it gills rock is the most northern tip of the thumb up there anyway um it is the best uh they have they they catch salmon out there daily and they smoke it and they, they'll ship it and it is the the atlantic salmon is filleted and it is the best smoked salmon you've ever had in your life it's not hardly dry at all it's still moist it is the best we need to get them in on the sponsor I, I tell you that's a i've got a friend that has a place somewhere in door county but are you sure they don't catch that out of the bay in green bay well they <laughs> they actually go out on the lake michigan side okay so yeah it's not the green bay side even uh, though they have a choice they have a choice but you know 
Oh, and I tell people we have Atlantic salmon in, in our in our Great Lakes up here, and they, they don't believe me, but it's true. That, uh, well, I think Lake Michigan is a great place to uh, catch a polluted fish if you're bored. The, uh, it's you not know. polluted up there. It's only polluted down towards <laughs> it, the bottom half, towards Chicago. Wrigley, near Wrigley yeah, Field. Yeah, exactly. Did I tell you? I probably did. I missed out on my uh, – and I had sort of forgotten about this, but it was – going to be why i was getting in great physical shape which i'm really not i had a as a season ticket holder for the cubs they have a number of things you can choose to do and my deal was on the weekend of may 17th and 18th i had a batting practice experience in a batting practice i was going to get to go down and uh, take batting practice but they told me that because of the coronavirus i couldn't go i said well I can't think of a safer time to take batting practice. Boy, you're not kidding. That's too bad that that didn't happen. Now, have you done that before? Because I know that's that's a big thing with uh, with season ticket holders. It's kind of a nice perk. I have never done that. The uh, the Royals do a deal at the end of the season where you get four or five swings off of a pitching machine, and if you hit one out, your season ticket's free. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. I couldn't get hit it out of the infield if I did make contact, but I was looking forward to, uh, you know, it's always fun getting down on as a, as a fan to just wander around on a major league field like that. And uh, anyway, yeah, for sure. So be it. I'll no. live without it. The nice thing about getting older is the, you know, your, your risk factor increases because, you know, when you're, 25 you figure you got 50 years when you're 70 you figure you only have 40 years so (laughs) (laughs) i will borrow that when i uh well you just turned 70 this week belated happy birthday to you thanks man i feel like i'm 40 but here here, speaking of dedication i've talked i've had some interesting podcasts and i want to i'll give you the salient facts of two or three that i find fascinating number one john wathan who played for the Royals, managed for the Royals, and now is, you know, with the Royals. His two sons had a combined, I think, 25 years in the minor leagues without a cup of coffee in the major no leagues. No kidding. And wow. to Dusty's credit, his oldest son, he's a third-base coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, so at least he, you know, got to, got to be in the big leagues. Wathen, who's just one of the all, all-time great guys. The um, Another interesting all these guys, you know, like uh, uh, Jason Grimsley and Doug Davis, they they had lengthy careers and, and uh, not even close to a 500 record. Although Doug, as you remember, had a really good run of three years with your Milwaukee Brewers. But I, I, I've told you, Nellie and I had this group of guys that we uh, represented way back when. Uh, very few ever kept us once they got to the major leagues. But I sort of um, reached out to um, your third base coach, who also was one of my clients, who Eddie Cedar. Yeah, Eddie. I go, Eddie, come on the show. Well, I'd have to talk to the general manager, and I go, come on, man. I'm not going to ask you what you think of Ned Yost or Craig Council. Anyway, he gave me the names. <laughs> yeah. of, he gave me the names of Mike Soper and Rolando Pino, who Nelly loved. Soper. You'll remember there was a year after the strike that MLB got mad, and <clears throat> one of their deals was they cut the roster from 25 to 24. 
Soper got traded from the White Sox to the Yankees, and he was the last guy cut, went down to AAA. Barry Foote was the manager. He didn't get along, and Soper dove for a ball, tore his shoulder, never played again or very well. So I said, Mike, what have you been doing? You know, I haven't kept up with you much. He goes, well, I was with the Marlins the last two years. I was with the Indians for 14 years. Then I started with the A's during the Moneyball years, the Cubs for four years before the Indians. I've been a scout for 25 years. And I can't wait to talk to this guy. Deserves the trouble with the curve Clint Eastwood seal of approval. Boy, you're not kidding, huh? That's yeah. amazing stuff. Isn't that cool? That's a lifer to uh, to the definition. Yeah, that is. Um, he was a great kid, a great shortstop, and you know, it 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 shows you how easily, you know, Mike Trout's one injury away from nobody have ever heard heard of him, and so, you know, when their average salaries are four point four million, that's that's good. There are other guys. So I think the median average is a lot less. But um, back to whether or not we play and how they how they negotiate. I was kind of always on the owner side of most of the negotiations, thinking they're the guys that take the risk. They're the guys that have to make payroll. They're the guys that you know pay fifteen million for an Adam Dunn when he hits one twenty and three home runs, and they still have to pay him. But I did my annual look at the major league salary deal. Just guess the salary discrepancy between the 30th crummiest salary and the best salaries for a team payroll. Uh, boy, I would guess the gap has to be for some players, almost, almost what the, what the highest guy is making. But I, I mean, a total payroll for the, the oh, for the team, you mean? Yeah, for the team. Oh man, it's got to be, it's got to be, hundred and twenty to hundred and forty million at least. Uh, you know, you're close, and that's why you've had a lifetime of appeal to anybody that listens to your broadcast. But. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you come up with these lines, by the way? $200 million. Oh, my God. Really that much? Between the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees. Can you believe that? That is outrageous. That is beyond outrageous. Baltimore, here's my point. Sell the damn team and bring an investment group in there that wants to blow a couple billion dollars on owning and running the team. Yeah. Don't cry. I mean – if I, I and again, I, I find this fascinating. In our central division of our respective teams, including the Cubs and the Royals, so you got ten teams in the two central divisions. Seven of the ten teams are in the bottom half of payrolls. Seven of ten. <laughs> I mean, it's Man. like, and the only ones that aren't are the Cardinals, the Cubs. And then the Reds kind of nudged into the top half when they went crazy. But, um, right. Yeah. So how'd you but, like but that? Wasn't the norm. I mean, for them, I mean, oh, they, they man. just decided to get back to it and I'm not sure when they were good, they were paying 
you know, the last time they were good, I can't even remember when it was, but they weren't, they sure weren't paying guys like the, the Cardinals and the Cubs. No. And so you've heard, <laughs> you've heard all these guys going, these teams going like the Red Sox, we're not going to go over the luxury tax. And so, I mean, that's a soft salary cap if ever there was one. And I don't blame the players. The problem is the public thinks it's hard to feel sorry for a guy making $4 million and bitching about what he's getting paid. Well, it, it, it is. And, and, you know, when, you know, somebody like um, Snell from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays says, I don't care what anybody says. I want my money and I want it. If I'm playing, I want it now. I want what's owed to me now. I mean, sometimes you gotta, you gotta tone it down a little bit. Um, and I'm not, I'm not Mr. PC or anything like that, but this is what pisses people off. It does. I mean, totally. nobody, nobody wants to hear a millionaire, whether, whether he's supposed to be making $7 million this year and he's going to be making three and a half million if they play half the year, nobody wants to hear that, that won't, A, won't have the opportunity to be in a ballpark um, and won't have the opportunity perhaps to even be at a bar to watch because of the social distancing thing. You know, when it, when it comes to entertainment, that's what, that's what irks the heck out of people to, to hear guys like that talk. Now, you can't, you can't say, you know, one ball player or two ball players speaking out like that represents the whole league. But you know what? To Joe Average, it sure could. And, and that's not what you want. That's not, you know, advertisers want people to be happy too. I mean, this, this has a lot of layers to it. Oh, it does. Um, it's it fascinating. Does. It it's fascinating. Think, think about this. No fans in the stands. It's going to be a half a season of baseball. Um, and so, and, and nobody's making money at any company right now in America that's probably going to be advertising. Um, so advertising could be cut down and is likely to be cut down when television does ramp up again, it doesn't mean, you know, they're going to be making all their money on, on advertisers because who's got the money right now to, to pay to watch baseball games. So anticipate a loss in revenue there alone. And then how about, um, how about at the ballpark, all the, all the advertising that's around the entire ballpark, right. it's not there for the television eyes to see it's there for 40,000 fans at each ballpark to see. And so, there's there's lost revenue there as well. I mean, it just it just keeps getting layered and layered down. And I'm not telling anybody to go to work, but right now we're all we're all supposed to be in this together. That that I guess that's my point because everybody at every major business in this country is is feeling this. Not only in unemployment, but those that are are still on board working, they're being asked to take a pay cut. Period. Most people are. Right. Yeah, I mean, the only ones licking their chops over the things you've just been mentioning are litigators. I mean, Fox is sitting there getting their lawsuit ready because they're, uh, what they agreed to kind of assumed that there'd be a real season going on with real players and fans and interest. And I don't care how much people say I miss sports and I want to see live sports. Uh, there's going to be litigation out the wazoo. The same with the advertising, the same with the naming rights, you know, guaranteed rate, whatever they do. I guess they do mortgages. Um, I can see all sorts of litigation. 
And um, two things. <clears throat> One, I've been watching Korean baseball a little bit. One inning is about all I can take. <laughs> it's a joke. I know. I know. It's a joke. <clears throat> Excuse me out there. I'm choking up at this joke. The other thing, I watched the uh, Cubs. This is amazing. The Cubs and the Cardinals have only played once in postseason, as I understand it, and the Cubs have only won a postseason series at home once, and that was against the Cardinals, which I just watched yesterday and recorded it because I want to watch it over and over and over <laughs> because Molina can't strike out enough and the Cubs can't celebrate enough in front of the, the uh, Matheny, who now is the Royals manager. But it's not that I hate the Cardinals, but I really hate the Cardinals. <laughs> I love it. As you should. That's what the rivalry is all about. But, yeah. but I did not know that about their um, – the, the lack of meeting in the postseason, I guess, chalk that up to how many years of the Cubs not being in the postseason, right? True. Yeah. And they're in the same division, so things would have to, you know, work out. And usually they right. don't for the Cubs, yeah. but, but you're right. The, um, you know, the Brewers and the Cubs have a rivalry, and it, it there are some people that get a little carried away with it, but it's just um, not as vicious for the most part. Now you'd argue with that when Cub fans come back to your set and throw crap on, on you. And when Nelly <laughs> yeah, was around. Yes, I would. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I am. And my wife won't go to a Brewers Cub game anymore anywhere. But, um, you know, I think that it's just a, a strange time. And then you throw in the precedent because the collective bargaining agreement between MLB and the players association runs out after next, after 2021, Right. And uh, they don't want they won't want to do revenue sharing with the with the players next time. And they'll want a salary cap, which the players won't. And the guys that 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 I used to like and now I f have great distaste for, even though they are in the upper, upper, upper echelon. It got, and it goes to your point. Um, Nolan Arenado, who I think is the one of the top three guys in baseball with Trout and probably Scherzer or somebody, and Verlander and Scherzer, all these guys that, you know, over the last two years, they were moaning and groaning when the free agents weren't being signed, and Arenado's still moaning and groaning. And it's like, really? You go to your post office box every two weeks and pick up at least a million-dollar check, at least with those guys. So, right. like, you know... <clears throat> and and they say, these guys that are involved in the union, well, you know, we're not going to take any, we're not going to back up anything that Kurt Flood and Measure Schmidt and those guys did for us. Well, time out. If you donated every player, took 10% of their money and put it into a fund for the families of the guys that played in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, you know, I'd give you some credence to your BS. But, oh, uh, you know, or Jackie fought for us. Well, you know, donate to the something, but but they don't do that. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, uh, it's an interesting thought. And I, and I think that <clears throat> that comes up, you know, legitimately, um, you know, how are, we, how are we taking care of some of these guys and, and their families and stuff that, you know, played the game for – for practically nothing, 
Um, but yet they're, you know, they're asked to go to, they're, they're still alive. They're going to the hall of fame. They're great ambassadors for the game of baseball. Um, and, and they, most of those guys were absolutely great, great players who don't earn what, you know, didn't earn in their careers, probably what the, what the minimum salary is for a baseball player today, which is, you know, you look at it and it's like that, that just seems nuts. You know, totally. hey, wait, I mean, you know, close. like Raleigh fingers. I, I see him, I saw him at, the, I was at spring training twice and I saw him at two different ballparks, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, this is pretty amazing stuff, but why is he there? He's there signing autographs for money and making appearances. And he does this, all the time, but he's one of many guys that, you know, played in the, I can't remember if he played in the late sixties or not, but for sure the entire decade of the seventies into the eighties and one of the greatest, you know, relief pitchers ever hall of famer. And, and you see him all over the place because this is basically how he's earning his money. Most of it. Cause he didn't get that much as a player. Well, and good, luckily for me, they do that because all my bats are signed for you know, exorbitant, <laughs> exorbitant fees. It's like so back, so back to how it affects you again. Hey, it's all about me, dude. Come on. The uh, one interesting thing with um, oh my god, you know, some of these uh, podcasts that I've done with uh, the last one with Doug Davis was interesting because you know he at like you know probably every other player in baseball has gone through um, uh, psychological issues, some of which they don't even know they're going through because of the, you know, the fail. There's so many guys competing for so few jobs, blah, blah, blah. And he said the guy that turned his career around when he went to Toronto was um, Doc Holliday, who gave him the name of a sports psychologist and concluded and 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 they both worked with Doug to convince him that there was a lot more to life than worrying about giving up a home run in the bottom of the seventh inning or whatever and it turned his turned his career around turned his life around but it you know it's an unexplored part of baseball um that uh, you know most guys really don't want to talk about but um and I'm surprised there aren't more uh, team psychologist, team psychiatrist, because it's it's uh, it's tough to cope with. Uh, you know, you're in the minor leagues. There are prospects that the teams give you know the benefit of the doubt to while you're hitting and and not moving up. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy sport. But uh, there there yeah. I go. I digress. Well, you, where, where but you I know going? though, there I think each team does have a. Well, I know the Brewers have had you know a a psychiatric staff i'm not sure if that's really the the right term or or you know um psychology counseling staff uh, they had at least one person start out and i think they have uh more than that now because here's the thing about it <clears throat> you think of now of how many guys you you think of a 25 man roster and you you think you know, these guys are on the roster. They're playing, you know, every day and pitching every fifth day if you're a pitcher, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the way teams like Milwaukee and some of the other um, teams that go into the philosophy of we're going to use 50-plus players a year and shuffle them back and forth. Now, there's where you need to understand what's going on, that it's it's beyond a business. It's how how mentally can you cope with this. And, um, it is, 
it, it is a, it's a great story that's untold, but it's also, you know, like, like you mentioned, you brought up a good point. It, it's mostly private for these guys. And, and for Doug to tell his story, I, I, I do remember when that happened for him. And, um, you know, that, that very well could have opened the door for other teams to listen to a guy that, you know, went through it and has talked publicly about it. Because he, he did at the time when he was in Toronto and turned it around, he, he did share that story while he was still playing. Yeah. And you know, it worked out for him. He's got 20 acres in Bend, Oregon. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. He uh, doesn't hold himself up to be anything other than what he is. And he's, he, uh, he's, he's, a, you know, another good friend of Nelly's. And uh, it's just interesting to, uh, to listen to. And then you take, you know, a, a pitcher like Sammy Solis, who all these guys have a limited number of options. You know, they can only, as you say, they shuffle 50 guys back and forth. It takes a toll on the number of options. A guy's out of his options, uh, and it's a ridiculously low number of options, uh, I think designed to keep that going back and forth to a minimum. But the guy that has, like, one option left, he gets cut. Boom. They don't think a thing of it. The other effect is these young kids, they're not going to tell Craig Council they don't feel like they can pitch today. They're going to – haters going to go out there every time somebody tells them to get up in the bullpen and calls them in. Now, the older and more mature the haters of the world get, the more they – and I think the more these guys are higher paid, teams listen a little bit. But you can remember when you played sports that you weren't going to – if you were in the lineup, you were going to tell your coach that you had a sore leg or a sore arm. You're going to go pitch. And that, that I think, got Sammy Solis out of Major League Baseball. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you know, being with these guys at this level, especially when it comes to the amount of money that they're paid once they make it to the, to the bigs or, you know, the NBA or whatever it is, especially, you know, Major League Baseball because they're, they get paid a Major League salary, you know, that's, prorated every day for the days that they're in the majors if they're young or if they're you know making their first appearance or whatever and uh you know a lot a lot of things you know uh tick up and that arrow uh, just keeps going up every day for them that way and, and and plus to be to be a part of it i mean they're at the elite level um it's tough i i remember uh I remember talking with uh, with Sammy a couple of years ago. I think it was the year that uh, Nelly passed away. Uh, he was uh, with the Nationals still, and he said, "Man, you know this up and down." I'm you know, I'm probably repeating a story, but just the up and down, up and down from the minors to the majors, and then when you're in the majors, we're going to throw you every day, and then send you to the minors to rest, and then call you up when you're you know when your arm's strong again. Um, it can it can wear on guys. There's no doubt about it. But the last thing a guy like him wants to do is say, you know, I think uh, the tenth day in a row here that I've pitched, I am getting a little tired. Yeah, that, that, that'll never happen. Well, and then you add what you know. He said if he pitched twenty times, he'd get up to warm up thirty times. Yeah, and he called he called those. I'd never heard this term. You probably have. He when he warm up but not get in the game the, the guys at least in the nationals bullpen refer to that as a dry hump and <laughs> yes. you know i didn't want to expl- have him explain that because my granddaughter so nice was, of you to bring that up on her family show yeah, exactly but um uh 
Sammy's dad, Bob, who's a good friend of all of ours, sends me daily um, some guy pulls out these highlights and it's under the label um, missing baseball or something. And he, and he, I'm on about the 50th highlight of Sammy coming in mostly with Dusty Baker as the manager and having a great performance. And I, and every time I get one of these, I write back to Bob, this guy should be in the hall of fame. Well, how come he's not, <laughs> you know, he hurt his arm. <clears throat> I think Martinez hurt his arm, but nobody's going to ever say that. Right. But all those things are <clears throat> tough. I can remember when we were trying to sign up minor league guys to represent, you'd go down to spring training before they even opened the doors to the public. And there were 300 guys all dressed in the same uniform that probably were the stars of their high school team all over the world. And it's like, that would bu- that bum me out in and of itself. It's just tough. Yeah. Yeah. Tough yeah. Game. I mean, it, it is. I, I remember, uh, a couple of years ago, um, a current pitcher for the Brewers, Adrian Hauser, um, I think his in his major league appearance, if I'm not mistaken, he literally got sick uh, on the mound during the game, and part of that was the pressure that he was feeling. Oh yeah, and and it happened to him again. Uh, I think the following year, when when he was called up. And of course, you know, he, he said at that point now, I'm, I'm just not feeling well, but it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's an amazing side of, of sports period. Not, not just for the major league players, but I think our point is, you know, with the entire minor league system and, you know, 400 guys competing for 25 jobs, it's, uh, you know, there's no other sport like that. No, no. And I can, I can emphasize with, uh, with, with, uh, Adrian. I'd go to trial and I'd, I'd feel like puking a lot of times when my case was so bad and the jury's looking at me like that. And yeah. I don't think I ever threw up in court, but there were times when I thought I might. Well, um, I, it's I remember my early days of doing play-by-play, uh, college football and college basketball. Um, you, you get to, to on-air time and you know, you've done your rehearsals and you prepped like for a, a college football game you prep all week for that game, you know, making out your rosters and, and your, uh, and your, uh, uh, calling card and everything and, uh, spend a lot of time on the phone and in person talking to, uh, head coaches and assistant coaches and then your production team. And, um, you know, then you travel, uh, and it, it takes, it takes almost a whole week to get ready to do a college football game. And then that moment that you are going on the air live when you're, when you're young, you know, you're more nervous than you are excitedly nervous and you have to figure out a way in that, you know, coming down in 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, go, you know, making sure that a, you don't sound nervous or look nervous or faint, you know, and there, there are times where, you, you do. I, I have. You actually get that that adrenaline flowing, and you don't know how to channel it. So it, it happens to you know. But it but it's part of like you know you're going you're going into the courtroom. It's like doing a show. It's live, brother. You know. And same with the game. Same with being a broadcaster. Um, same with a, a lot of other jobs. But those are the three we know right now. Yeah. No kidding. Well, the. Uh... 
the sport, no doubt, has uh, has changed a lot, but it's still something that we all yearn to uh, to be watching. Even though, um, man, oh man, it's going to be interesting. But I think in the in the final analysis, they'll come to some agreement. They usually do. Um, if they don't, I think it's understandable on the health front. But um, only time will tell, my friend. I mean, it's just uh, it's a it's it's crazy. Is it getting any better? Hard to tell. Hard to tell. But uh, you know, people predicting the, another wave of this and another wave of that. Uh, we'll just have to uh, stay tuned and, and figure it out. But um, what's Craig Council? Have you talked to him? What's what is he thinking? I think that they're very confident that they're going to have some sort of season and they're very confident in preparing to have it be completely opposite of what they're used to. I mean, I don't think they can worry about the fans as much. I mean, I, I think everybody is, you know, well understands, you know, what has happened and what's going on no matter what. Um, so they're they're just expecting to play and they already know they already have a plan in place on the rosters are going to be expanded you know how they're going to use a, a taxi squad or whatever you want to call they're going to have 30 players on the roster and and 20 guys serving almost like minor leaguers uh that they can you know use and and i'm not sure that they're gonna you know one thing i haven't heard of they're gonna have a, an injured list um, oh, yeah. does that even matter at this point if they have, you know, 50 guys available, um, that type of thing. So, um, and then, and then the other thing is, you know, they're, they're going to have a DH in the, in the national league. It's going to be universal DH that, that could, that could be interesting as we push forward and in, in how, you know, how the sport of baseball moves on. I know you and I talk mostly baseball here, but you know, the, the other interesting thing, Jamie, about this time that we're in is all sports are looking at what their future is going to be. And I, I think, you know, part of the NBA right now, they've been probably the quietest publicly about what they like to do and, and how they want to format what could be salvaged for this year. And, and one of those things is to wait towards the end of the summer to ramp up and finish the regular season probably you know over September and October um, and and have it have their playoff and then take November off and go to their two or three week camp and then start their next season 2021 on Christmas Day and they've always targeted Christmas Day as being a you know a showcase for television, I think they have six or seven nationally televised games. It's it's the unofficial start of the NBA season. It has been for the last decade, right? Um, even though they start in October, and and they're they could be looking at well, what if we just changed our our season on the calendar and did that from now on? I mean, th this is the time to do it. If you're going to make a drastic change like that, or of any kind in any sport, this is the time to do it. Well, in reality, the historical reasons for the seasons being the way they are is to avoid uh, competing with football and with baseball. So you've got hockey and basketball kind of, you know, if you look at the Bulls and the Blackhawks or the Knicks and the, uh, you know, New Jersey Devils or whatever, they 
try to accommodate each other. So I'm laughing because in November, you're going to have the Kentucky Derby, the Masters, the NBA, the uh, Major League Baseball, football. <laughs> it's going to be like, yeah. you know, <coughs> you guys play at two, we'll play at four. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And, you know, o- over the years, you know, these seasons are starting to overlap a little bit more. Oh, anyway. yeah. I mean, there, there's a time in October where all four teams, all four sports are playing at the same time, you know. And and I think one of the talks about the NBA starting at their season in on Christmas Day is one, one of their big things, for whatever reason, is they, they would – love to stay away from competing uh, with the NFL. And if they don't start a season until December 25th each year, they would largely not be competing with the NFL. They'd have a little playoff overlap in January and then the Super Bowl, you know, is first of February into January anyway. And then they're kind of in the clear for the rest of the winter, at least as far as they see it. So it's interesting. It is interesting. And I think, you know, testing and, versus the uh versus the cry by everybody except me uh for this please we need live tv we need live sports on tv to exist and get our minds off of everything and i i think that 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 kind of uh expressed sentiment is logical i just think that you know as long as and and i think everybody that has that opinion would more than be happy to trade places with, um, you know, Christian Yelich and go out and play baseball every day and risk getting sick. But, uh, you know, they, they, nonetheless, they're the guinea pigs. And um, as soon as, as soon as one guy, like we saw in the NBA, as soon as Ryan Braun comes down with, you know, a positive test, even if the test is not accurate, they're going to shut the thing down. So again, I'm going to stick with, I'm not going to be wishy-washy on this. I'm sticking to, if I can't go, they can't go. (laughs) That's it. That's my point. That's how we started. And uh, it's a fun dispute, but I think that um, in the long run, uh, they're going to prorate their salary because that's, I'll tell you, the MLB needs a new lawyer. I mean, I know Manfred used to do all the negotiations, and now he's moved up the chain. Whoever it is that left the the uh, question in there about whether that was including time if they played with no fans ought to be fired, and somebody else ought to ought to be in there for because there shouldn't be uh, a question on that point. And I think the players are going, "Hey, look, this is what you agreed to." Nobody ever said it was with or without. We want a hundred one one hundred and sixty second of our pay for every day we play. And if you guys don't like it, screw it. And yep. Well, that's that's kind of where they're going with this right now. And um, yeah, you're you're right. It uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be something to watch. And you know, here's the thing: it, at some point here, pretty soon, they're gonna have to figure it out if they really want to start on July fourth. They gotta they gotta hammer this out pretty soon. I I don't know what the drop dead date would be for something like that at this point. Um, if it would be sometime in June or it has to be by the end of May or next week. I I, I don't know that, but um, you got to believe if they're this far in it and we've been this 
far in this pandemic of being shut down that, you know, time is of the essence to hit that, I think, that July 4th marker. Well, the last thing that we ought to discuss before I let you go, and because you get paid by the hour, um, is, you know, every other year, you can look in October, November, and see what's going to happen in uh, February and March in uh, the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. What are they going to, you know, this so-called spring training in in June and then baseball in July, are they going to play anybody or are they just going to have squad games? Well, we, you know, we brought this point up um, on, on the last show too. I, I'm not sure. Um, I would not be surprised if, you know, the White Sox, Cubs, and Brewers uh, did, did something just on proximity alone, even though they're going to be playing each other, you know, in whatever the regular season turns out to be, the way they have these divisions uh, match up AL Central, NL Central. Um, but they may or may not. I mean, it, I think it all depends. In my opinion, I, I really believe that if they can get this deal worked out and they can hit their target date for reporting in June, I think they'd they'd almost be inclined to say we only need a couple of weeks to get our guys in shape, especially with the size of the squads that they're going to have now. Pitching is always going to be the big concern, but if you let's say you carry twenty pitchers or twenty five pitchers on your fifty man, I mean, I think that they're they're ready to push through and and get going. It's only going to take hitters ten days to two weeks tops oh, to yeah. I think it's to hit pitch. their mark. It's so I, I, don't, I don't even think it matters if they play any, um, um, you know, exhibition games against other teams. I think they're going to ramp up and, you know, and get going. Well, will they use um, uh, electronic umpires or do you think that's going too far? I think that's going too far. Well, I, I, they already have an agreement with umpires, so they're, they're ready to go. And I, I don't see that in the mix at all. No, I don't either. It'd be interesting to see if they wear masks. Besides their, you know, I guess why wouldn't you wear a mask under your mask? <laughs> a dual mask. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. It's uh, got to laugh. It's going to be something to see because there, there's been talk about uh, masks to some certain extent, but I, I, I don't see that once they, once they go in between the white lines, do you? I don't think so. Anybody, Matt. umpires or anybody. I mean, I, I don't see that. I don't know. The uh, in in the Korean deal, even the the mascots that have like I think I told you three foot diameter heads all have masks over there. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> and you know, the whole subject of masks is crazy. But we don't have to get into that. I do want to finish with a kind word. I kind of jump around as I'm prone to do. And I was talking about Eddie Cedar, who I love and is a great guy. And I don't mean to uh, uh, imply or infer that, that uh, anything other than he's trying to be a team player. Although my last text from Eddie was that he'd give me a call. And I said, look, I'll just talk about pro sports Inc. And how we had 24 guys that the only guys that succeeded fired me after they got to the major league. We can talk about that, but, uh, <laughs> oh, he'd love that. Yeah, and he's a good guy, yeah. and uh, he's certainly uh, made a great career with the Brewers and with uh, not only Craig Council, but through uh, through a couple other managers. So anyway, uh, he's a great third base coach, I guess, and uh, hopefully he'll have something to coach. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm more, uh, you know, I'm kind of a two-faced guy. I don't think they ought to play, but if they do, 
I will uh, certainly, like we said last time, if the Cubs win the World Series, it's great. If the Yankees win the World Series, this was all a big mistake. So uh, There you go. Right. I, I'm, I'm in with you on that as long as maybe we can have the Brewers in that mix too. Yeah, and, you know, I had offered to be your valet. I offered Dwayne Stats the same deal. I offered Eric Nadell. Now, if you're in a studio, the whole thing's off. I'm not going to go sit. You know, I love you, but I'm not sitting in a studio with you. Uh, I'm uh, bringing uh, George Foreman Grill into the studio, just so you know. No, we're going to that mustard uh, mustard museum, buddy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, for the lighter side of baseball, I'm going to let Mr. Kashan go back and finish. It seems like Sunday. You know, we've turned Sunday, Friday into Sunday, but have a healthy time. And uh, by by the next time I twist your arm into doing this next week, we got to have a decision, I would think, or some indication what what's going to happen a week from now. We're ready for breaking news, that's for sure. <laughs> we, we are indeed. All right, be safe, be healthy, have a great uh, week, and I'll uh, I'll start bugging you Wednesday or Thursday for next Friday. We'll do. Take care. All right, for Craig Kashan, Jamie Uretzky on the lighter side of baseball, and we are keeping it light. And everybody have a safe time. For those of you who can get outside and do something besides uh, get your umbrella out, uh, do it. I'm going to try to play golf tonight, and uh, that's it for Craig. That's it for Jamie. And uh, until the smelts come back and we have baseball. Be good. <laughs> Beautiful.